Just make believe You're a tiny little seed A tiny little seed that's reaching up To meet your need With the right amount of faith And the right amount of earth You'll grow to see the sunshine On your day of birth Let's that's listen to the land we all love Nature's plan will shine above Listen to the land Welcome to Detour to Neverland, where you are the author of your own Disney story. There's a lot of satisfaction in developing ideas into realities. And you can find magic in your everyday life. If you do what you really want to do, you feel like you're playing. How can you write your first chapter today? Dreams are how we figure out where we want to go. Life is how we get there. I'm headed this way. We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 201. This is our storytelling series where we are taking a look at Disney attractions and trying to learn more about them or view them in a different lens so that next time we experience them, we'll catch something new or we'll have a deeper appreciation for the storytelling aspect of that particular attraction. Unfortunately, this episode, I'm going to be doing it solo. Catherine sustained an injury this week, and she's not going to be able to join us. <laughs> I can't believe you just brought that up. So I did sustain an injury um, yesterday, actually. I don't know if you know this, but corgis shed a lot. So we do a lot of vacuuming in our house, and I lost a fight with the vacuum. It reared back and literally hit me in the lip and busted my lip. So <laughs> it's kind of an embarrassing story. It was like you were using the wand and it had to some tension on it and it came up and it hit you in the mouth. So I, I'm the real hero of the story. I then swooped in and I finished vacuuming the rest of the couch. So <laughs> it was, it was actually really painful. Well, I'm very, very proud of you for pulling through and being able to do this episode with me today. Thank you. So thank you for joining us. Today's topic is living with the land, which I think is a little, uh, this is one of the first attractions where we've done it, where it's a ride, but it's not really a ride. It's really more about the educational aspect of it and the information that you receive. So this was kind of a challenge to look at it through a storytelling aspect, but it again like we're learning each and every time it is much deeper than we previously thought. Oh, for sure. Yeah. When we picked this one, we had hoped that there would be kind of like an interesting backstory, but you just never know before you really start to dive deeper into it. And it turns out there are some fun facts that go with living with the land. But first off, we're going to do the ride walkthrough. Yep. So living with the land is located in the land pavilion of Epcot and Walt Disney World, which makes sense and already sets you up for what you are to expect in this attraction. Upon arriving at the attraction on the first floor of the pavilion, you will see the queue, which is pretty small and consists of some colorful murals and quotes that reflect the importance of nature and taking care of the planet. Again, it's a precursor for what the ride will be all about. And I always think that a lot of times this queue is somewhat hidden that sunshine seasons 
the restaurant in that area really dominates that first floor. And there's always a swarm of people. Not right now, but there's <laughs> normally on a normal park day, there's a swarm of people congregating near the entrance to Soren. And I don't know why, because it's a wide open space, but there's always like as soon as you come down the stairs or come down the escalator, there's just people standing around. Yeah, it is a very congested area. And I think it does kind of overshadow living with the land. Oh, I think it for sure does. I mean, I think a lot of times you can go into the land pavilion and if you're not really looking around, you could potentially just miss it completely, which would be a shame because I do think that everybody needs to experience this ride at least once. I mean, it fits so well with Epcot and definitely with the land pavilion. I mean, it kind of ties everything together with a nice little bow and it's educational, but it is fun. It is. So you board a small boat and you're ready to go. Once you disembark, you first travel through some indoor scenes that represent different biomes, such as the rainforest, desert, and the American prairie. You can also look up and see the Garden Grill restaurant spinning up above you during the prairie scene, correct? Yeah, but to me, that's also pretty hidden also. Like if I'm on the attraction... I, I feel like you really have to look for it. Like there's so much to look at in the actual like biome part. I don't know. To me, the the garden grill doesn't really stand out. You notice it more from garden grill looking down. Yes. Rather than looking up. I would agree. So you then travel through a small theater that illustrates the relationship between the environment and humans and how we have used and modified our agricultural practices over time to fit our needs. Did you ever take ag class in high school? You know, I did it. My sister did. Fun fact, that's how we ended up with a rabbit as a pet for a little while, but I never did, no. I took ag class my freshman year of high school. Very traumatic experience. What happened? I just didn't enjoy it. Oh. <laughs> also, one of my classmates ended up marrying the teacher, which... Oh. I don't... I'm not going to comment further. That's just a thing that happened. Alrighty then. Well. So the second part of the ride is equally as educational, but instead takes you into a real greenhouse that holds a variety of exhibits that regularly change. Here you learn about agricultural practices and innovations that better help people live with the land. Bum bum. <laughs> It has a more futuristic approach, which is fitting for Epcot to showcase the future of agriculture through methods such as hydroponics. There are five sections to the greenhouse, which can also be referred to as a living laboratory. They are the tropic greenhouse, the temperate greenhouse, aquacell, string greenhouse, and the creative greenhouse. Which one would you want to be assigned to if you were a living with the lander? <laughs> I mean, tropic greenhouse... Sounds fun because, I mean, everyone loves tropical plants, but creative greenhouse obviously speaks to you. I would not want to do the aqua cell. Do you know what they have there? No. It's the fish. That sounds awesome. Uh, I, I wouldn't like that. You think it smells? Probably. Yeah. There. This is also the part of the attraction where you see workers tending to the plants and tours taking the behind the seeds tour, which we have never done. I don't understand how we've never done that. People rave about behind the seeds. 
we got to do it. I know it's definitely on my to do list. I mean, I would love to, I guess, just for some reason, we've never taken the time to do it. Honestly, we've never done any of the tours that Disney offers. And it's something that, you know, moving here, we knew we would try to kind of incorporate more into our, you know, just, I don't know, weekend plans. <laughs> yeah. So this is also the portion of the ride where you can see the Mickey shaped produce where they're using those plastic containers to make them grow in the shape of Mickey, which is always fun. Oh, yeah. So the things grown in the greenhouse are actually used in restaurants with the, throughout Walt Disney World, which is a really cool aspect of it. If I were to be served a Mickey shaped vegetable, I would probably actually eat it. So I wonder if that was their logic, like even for kids. I wouldn't hold my breath. <laughs> you don't eat many vegetables. But if it was Mickey, everything's better Mickey shaped. Waffles, zucchinis. Ice cream, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> It'd be hard to do a zucchini, I feel like. I don't know. What kind of vegetables do they Mickey shape? Like off the top of my head, I don't, I can't, I don't remember. Wouldn't it normally be fruits? Like, I feel like you could do tomatoes or citruses. More easily, like they're more malleable. I, guess <laughs> I don't <so>. know. <laughs> I guess that's a question we need to ask next time we do the behind the seats tour. Oh, yes. So other notes is that the weather does not impact this attraction. One of the few in Walt Disney World, maybe not a few, but. That is a separate category. This is something that you can jump on while it's raining. And one time we did ride it and it was monsooning and water was coming through the greenhouse ceiling and then hitting on top of our boat. I imagine that it was supposed to do that, but it I mean, it got a, quite a few people wet in our boat. Yeah, I don't know if it's supposed to. I mean, it obviously doesn't hurt anything that, you know, it's kind of leaking, but it was a different experience. It was kind of cool to see it just because even like the people who were tending to the plants started wearing, you know, they were wearing like raincoats and different things like that. Not that they were getting soaked by any means, but it was just like a, a fun change of scenery. Yeah. Something different. It was fun. So that's going to do it for the ride walkthrough. Catherine, you want to take us through the history, some of the things that stood out to us? Yeah, so we'll start from the very beginning, kind of when this ride was imagined. And it was originally supposed to be a suspended dark ride. So think like a hot air balloon is kind of what they were going for. And they were going to call it Blueprints of Nature. And basically, guests would travel through the four different seasons a series of biomes, and then, of course, a greenhouse with their host called a landkeeper. Um, and a lot of this does sound the same. So they were able to keep kind of those main parts of the ride, but they had to change it a little bit. And it was mostly scaled back to the boat ride version that we have today when Kraft, as in Kraft Macaroni and Cheese, took on the sponsorship role for this attraction. Do you would you have liked it to be like the hot air balloon? I'm kind of picturing Peter Pan. Yeah, that's definitely what comes to mind, because I don't know if Disney has any other like suspended rides. Do they? Can you think of anything else that kind of has that? Not off the top of my head. And it would be hard, I feel like, to go through a greenhouse like that. Like, I can't even picture how you would do that. 
I mean, you'd be above the plants. Well, I mean, they could suspend you low. Yeah, but you'd still have to be above the plants. Unless they cut out a little path like they did for the river. Hmm. Yeah, but that wouldn't be as cool. Maybe that was some of the issues they had. The Imagineers, maybe they just could not agree. But the sponsorship also changed just the way that the land pavilion was viewed, um, kind of making agriculture and food its focused. Originally, the land pavilion was going to be sponsored by Georgia Pacific, and the focus was going to be more on just the environments of Earth. It was going to be more like a mineral and ecology pavilion, which sounds more like a college course than maybe something you would find at Disney World. I also think it's interesting that Georgia Pacific was involved. I guess I don't know much about their business, except for that my brother works for them. (laughs) And I think of like paper products. Like I think you see Georgia Pacific on the paper towel dispensers or on a piece of cardboard. Well, maybe that's what they were going for, like environmental friendly kind of thing. I don't really know, but that could kind of tie in together. You know, like recycling? I don't know. Maybe. I didn't know Georgia Pacific was on the forefront of that (laughs) fight, but more power. Maybe they're not anymore. (laughs) But Living with the Land did debut with Epcot on opening day. um, So October 1st, 1982. But it did originally go by a different name, which was Listen to the Land. And Brendan just had to play that fun clip at the beginning of today's episode. That thing is a bop. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's in- It sounds like it was something that was created in the 80s. <laughs> if you're not listening to listen with the land at least once a week, then are you truly a Disney fan? That's how I'm viewing have, it now. Have you ever listened to listen with the land before today? No, but now I feel like I've been enlightened and I've been awoken to how amazing that soundtrack is. Well, you know, to each their own. But um, it did change its name, of course, to Living with the Land in 1993 after a refurbishment. It's gone through a few nothing. Well, I don't want to say nothing major because a pretty major thing did happen. Um, When Listen with the Land first opened, it was originally narrated by a cast member. Um, But that changed in 2006 when the ride received a pre-recorded narration by Mike Brassel. And his other claim to fame, Brendan, do you know what it is? Nope. He is also or was narrating the people mover for a period of time. Legend. How cool is that? I feel like once you get in with Disney, like they keep you like they find lots of different jobs for you. Like Josh Gad. Yes, that that would be another good example, I guess. (laughs) But I do wonder what it would have been like to have a cast member narrate this ride. And obviously, you know, we would have been going to the parks before 2006. I just do not remember ever having an actual cast member narrator. Do you? I do not. So I kind of wish I did. I feel like it would be interesting. And the reason they did that at the beginning was because you know, the greenhouses do change and they do grow different, you know, plants and try different things. So they didn't want to have something pre-recorded because they would have to continue to go in and edit it. You know, if you have a person who can kind of change the narration based on what's there, it's more, I don't know, accurate or up to date. 
And that would be pretty cool. I wish there was still a cast member there. I'm always in favor of having a live person mm-hmm. instead of the narration. I This is a whole different topic, but I think that was one of the biggest issues with Great Movie Ride as time passed. That having a live person speak to you is always the better choice. Well, it's just it makes it so that it's more it adds to that rewrite ability, you know, because you never know what they're going to say or, you know, are they going to add in a little joke? Are they going to tell you a new fact that you've never heard before? It also kind of makes me think, like, what if they did keep the narrator? Do you think they would have ever considered pivoting it to be more like Jungle Cruise, like a humorous? No, no, I don't think a sponsor would allow that. You think they just prefer to have like the educational? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the spirit of what this ride is. It is, but you you know you have to wonder like what would that be, what would that be like? I bet they could come up with some good jokes. I mean, maybe like a joke here or there, but not like completely satirical like Jungle Cruise. Yeah, just a thought, just something that popped into my mind. <laughs> but the first half of the ride, because um, we have talked more about the greenhouse, I guess. The first half of the ride, when you're cruising through those different biomes, a fun fact here, and we're starting to tie some of our storytelling episodes together here. In the American prairie scene, it said that the buffalo and the prairie dogs that are used there were originally from a Magic Kingdom attraction. And that attraction was Western River Expedition. R.I.P. Which is so cool because we literally talked about that last week. And I never would have imagined that we would have heard that name pop up again. But apparently, you know, Disney is very good at finding new homes for old animatronics. They like to be very resourceful. That's basically what they did here. I guess when that project got scrapped, they took those figures that they had already made and they put them in. Living with the land. That so is cool. fun. You think Mark Davis touched them? Maybe. That would have been cool. Or maybe he like just oversaw them. Maybe so. You know? Yeah. But um, that's about it. It's a good, a good overview of everything. Of course, um, we didn't get into all the nitty gritty details, but um, those are the the highlights. Yeah. So let's take a quick break, hear a message from our partners, and then we'll be back for the rest of the episode. Things in our lives are going to start getting much more hectic as summer comes to an end and school is in full swing. That means we have to work smarter, not harder, especially when it comes to social media. Using a tool like Tailwind helps with that. You can schedule out your posts, find relative hashtags, and then set it and just forget it. You can sign up for your free trial of Tailwind today by visiting detourtoneverland.com forward slash Tailwind, or you can click the link in the show notes. So what were some of the takeaways that you took from this attraction? Well, I do think, you know, in just looking at Epcot as a whole and kind of the vision and the goal for Epcot is just that when we think about the future, You know, there's often a lot of things that we don't even consider or imagine. And, you know, I do think that agriculture is one of those things. It is something that for most of us, we kind of take for granted because we don't see all the work that goes into it. We just go to the grocery store. 
Um, We usually think about, you know, technology or jobs. And I do really appreciate this ride when you kind of see, you know, the futuristic approach that they're taking in some of the greenhouses and some of the new methods that they're trying um, and just kind of seeing how far we've come in agriculture. I think it fits in well with Epcot and I think it's just a nice tie-in. I also really like just learning that, you know, it has those animatronics from Western River Expansion or Expedition because I think it gives me something to look forward to next time I ride it. Like it's always fun to go through the greenhouse. I feel like the greenhouse always kind of steals the show, but I do have a newfound appreciation for the prairie dogs and the buffalo. I like the old farmhouse with the chicken and the dog sitting out there. Oh, you know, fun fact that dog is it supposedly it was made to look like Walt's dog. I did not know that. I read that somewhere. I don't it may or may not be true. I do know the mailbox is number 82 for the year that Epcot opened. Mm-hmm, that's true. And that leads me into my takeaway, which is I never got to experience 80s Epcot or really even early 90s Epcot. I was born in 92. So by the time I was cognizant, <laughs> it was basically the millennium at that point. But I do feel like living with the land gives me a little glimpse into that period of this park that so many people fell in love with. I mean, you talk to anybody who grew up in that time period going to Epcot and getting on horizons and, you know, all of these different attractions that meant so much to so many people and old school figment and all of those things. And I think living with the land is part of that same narrative. So I'm so appreciative that it's there so that we can just get a little glimpse of what that perfect mix between education and entertainment can look like when it's done correctly. So that's kind of my biggest thing. Uh, So let's hear from some of our listeners. We asked our Facebook group, Detour to Neverland podcast community for their thoughts on living with the land. And we have a couple of responses going forward. If you would ever like to have your response and your score read on the show, head over to our Facebook group. You can find it in our show notes below or just search for it. And that's where we ask for this every week. So our friend Lauren said, she said, oh my gosh, okay, this is my a major fave of mine. I love the themed immersive rides that transport you and are unique. The more the time goes on, the more I cherish it's due to Disney slowly eliminating some of the classics. And I do think that is completely fair that this is sort of a, it's a type of attraction that it seems like they're slowly getting taken away. I Something makes me think that living with the land will always be there. Well, I do think because it is attached to the greenhouse and that is such an interesting part of the land pavilion, but it also has a very practical use, like we mentioned earlier. I mean, that's hard to it's hard to get rid of and it's hard to kind of do anything else with it. I mean, they legitimately use the things there, so they can't just like rip it up and do something like virtual there because it would hurt them. So I think that's part of it. Our friend Jake said, I've always wanted to do the behind the seeds tour. 
Same. We'll, do, <laughs> we'll get a group together once yeah. it's safe to have groups again. And we'll all go do this and then ride this. I feel like that would com- that would complete the experience. It isn't a must ride for me, but I love it every time I'm on it. I give it a five and a half of our Neverland score. So I think that's fair. We'll get to our scores here in just a second, but we're kind of along the same thoughts. Uh, our friend Ryan gave it a 7.25. I gave it a point for don't change it because there wasn't an option for, I don't care if it's changed. It hasn't really been the same since I got rid of the live narrator. And I think that's completely fair. And I think, you know, unfortunately a lot of decisions are made based on budgets. And I would imagine that's probably why the cast member narrator was taken away. And I wish that I could remember it or experience it. We tried to watch some YouTube videos of it and it's, that's a hard thing to encapsulate in a video. Yeah. So I don't think we have the full appreciation for it, but I trust your opinion to say that if, if it was that good with the cast member, I believe you. Uh, And then our friend Ashley gave it a total of six points. I love this ride and have to ride it at least once every visit but it's not my most favorite. We'll definitely recommend this attraction to first time Epcot goers. It's very interesting and you learn a lot. I completely agree with that, that I think if you're trying to explain to someone, especially the future world type part of Epcot, what is it supposed to be? Lately, we're all over the place. (laughs) I don't think any of us really know until all these changes take place. And then hopefully we'll get a, a real theme put Mm -hmm. in place that's cohesive, but just for, you know, that attraction by itself, I think it encapsulates so much of what future world is supposed to be. It's, it's edutainment. It's relaxing. And it's something that you can go on repeatedly and see different things. That is true. It still does have a good, Rewritability, even without the live um, host, although I think that would definitely make it better. All right. So we got to give it our score. We do. Your people are going to be mad at you. Well, I I'm going on the rubric, so I guess that means I'm going first. Um, So this one got a four and a half for me. And before you start like doing your, Ooh. your, I almost said TV, not your TV, wherever you're listening this from, um, it's mostly just because I did give it very low scores for, you know, it's not really one that you would fast pass, which I think a lot of people can agree with. It's not really one that I would wait for, for a long time. Um, and it's not a thrill factor. So I think just after a couple of those different categories, it's it is hard for it to score high. Um, It did get high marks for smile factor and immersion, mostly just for like the sights and sounds, um, you know, because it's obviously a very authentic greenhouse. Um, So, yeah, I give it a five and we pretty much had the same scores across the board, except for a few categories. I scored it higher in nostalgia saying that I love to watch my relative and friends ride this. And I also scored it higher. And how much do you miss it? Where I said, I'll be disappointed of myself later if I don't ride it where you said, I don't think about it at home, which I think both of those are fair. I am a little bit 
older than you. I mean, not much. <laughs> not much. <laughs> like, like barely. Like 18 months. Yeah. So maybe those 18 months made a difference for the nostalgia factor for me. Uh-huh. I can also picture that um, I don't think this would have been high on the list of your family. No, I mean, my family was notorious for skipping like everything. I mean, Epcot for my family growing up. You guys probably skipped the video at the end of Maelstrom, didn't you? Probably. Oh, my God. <laughs> Epcot was just one of those parks for my family growing up that we would go mostly just for test track. And then my parents might have drag up, you know, drug us around world showcase, but we didn't appreciate it. We didn't like it. You know, we were like princesses, want to be princesses growing up. So we just wanted to be in magic kingdom the whole time. And that's, you know, that's where we would spend a lot of our trip. If I'm being honest. Yeah. I, I wish I think now it's exciting to have a better appreciation for Epcot, but I just didn't growing up. So there's really no nostalgia factor for you. Not at all. Do you think the first time you rode this was as an adult? Um, I'm honestly trying to remember the first time I wrote it. Um, I remember it the most as an adult. Just from going like the past couple of times with you, I feel like I probably wrote it. You know, like in high school or middle school, just as something to do. But <laughs> you know what I mean? Just because like, oh, well, there's nothing really else to do here. So let's just get on this because it's a ride kind of thing. You know what I mean? Because even in like middle school or high school, you don't really like care about the world showcase. I didn't. Maybe other people are better and do, but I didn't. So shame. I know. Well, because I wasn't an adventurous eater, so it's not like I was looking forward to trying new foods or anything. That did remind me. Sunshine Seasons. I want to love it. I want to love it so much. I love the aesthetic in there. I like that there's so much seating. Normally you can spread out and find a spot. I've never found a meal there that I thought was amazing. Yeah. We've went and looked at the menu many times and walked away. Well, because some people do just rave about it and we love taking food recommendations from people. So I feel like every time someone mentions it, we're like, oh, yeah, let's go try it. You know, here we're in Epcot. Let's do it. And somehow we just always end up back in China or Mexico because <laughs> that's what we love. I was about to say, it's like the land is dangerously close to World Showcase where you start to think I could get an empanada. Just by walking five <laughs> minutes away from here. And and the empanada always wins. So if you have a rock star dish from Sunshine Seasons, please let us know. Oh, yeah. We're going to make a point. We're going to try it. I think cheesecake maybe is something that people talk about. No. Of all the things for you to recommend your first instinct is cheesecake that's not really a meal i love cheesecake <laughs> <laughs> um we're going off the rails fast yeah but i gave it a five you gave it a four and a half uh our friends on facebook all gave it higher ratings than that and i think for us since we have to do this every week our scores are typically lower than most people, just because we are trying to view these critically, 
to get a wide variety of these Neverland scores of, of how much do these take you out of reality. Um, so we do our best. Just waiting for Rise so I can give a 10. Oh my goodness. It is a, a perfect 10. Speaking of Rise, we're going to Hollywood Studios this weekend. So if you'd like to follow along, you can follow us on Instagram. That's where we'll be sharing the most stuff. Probably not going to do any more um, episodes or anything about our visits to the parks. We might uh, mention things that we have enjoyed, but uh, we will be back on Monday with an interview. So hope you can join us then and hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and a wonderful weekend. Bye. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure you subscribe and leave us an iTunes review if you enjoyed the show. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland or visit DetourToNeverland.com. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. See you real soon.